Welcome to True Crime Sweden. I am your host, Panilla. Today's episode is a special one. We're going to answer some questions from you listeners. And it's also special because today is the first time you're going to hear another person's voice here on the podcast. I thought it would be weird to read questions and then answer them myself. So instead I have someone with me who will ask me all the questions. And I will try to provide some smart answers or whatever. And now I guess you are curious on who this might be. Is it Alexander Skarsgård? Or maybe the Swedish royal queen? Better up you guys. It's my amazing and hard-working researcher and writer, Johanna. How are you today, Johanna? I'm doing great, thank you. I'm so happy to have you here, that you agreed to do this with me. The pleasure is all mine. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Well, do you have any questions for me? Yes, uh, we actually got plenty of questions. Uh, But I'm going to start with uh, one asked by Kelly Simmons on Twitter. What case that you have covered so far has affected you the most? Oh, um, the case that affected me the most is probably the case about Tova Mobai in episode 11. I guess it is because it hits so close to home for me, because I have two teenage daughters. And domestic violence and abuse is something that I'm very engaged in. I'm not sure why it affected me like it did, but it's a case that still pops into my head every now and then. I remember when researching it and reading about Tova and all that she did in preparation in case she would be killed. And it's just so awful. And the grip that he had on her that she couldn't get away. And she had to lie to her parents and everything. I kept thinking how I would react and what I would do if this was my daughter. But I can't see that her parents did anything wrong. It's just so hard because she lied to them and everything. It's just so awful. Such a beautiful young girl with her whole life in front of her. and. It's just so unnecessary crime. I don't know what to say. That was a really hard case. Yeah, it's a sad, really sad case. The next question is from uh, Michelle Colasa host from the Facebook discussion group. Okay, I just want to add in here that I'm so happy that you have to pronounce all the names because I would totally screw them up. Maybe you do too, but (laughs) I'm happy Um, it's not me. I am sorry in advance for all the names that I will screw up. Um, This is from the Facebook group, the Facebook uh, discussion group. What's the most interesting true crime you've reported on and why? I guess it is a case about uh, Panilla and Engla. They were both killed by the same man, but years apart. Um, And a civilian played a huge role in solving the case. Remember this guy walking on that um, road and he was trying out his new camera and he was actually taking pictures of Engla on her bike 
and then the murder in his car, only 30 seconds apart. And that case was, it was so weird. It was a murder, he kept it quiet, he didn't tell anyone, and then he did it again. And he killed a grown-up woman, and then he killed a child. And this guy is such a weird person and so, so sick. And I hope he stays in prison forever. As a predator. Yeah. So, uh, how did your interest in true crime start? And this is a question that I asked you uh, this past summer. My interest in true crime started, well, I'm not really sure. I think it's always been something that's been interesting every time you hear about a crime or something. But I still can remember the first case I ever heard of. It was the case about Helene Nilsson. We covered it in episode 10, I believe. I was 15 at the time, and I remember reading everything in the newspapers about it. Everything. I was reading and reading and reading. And it took a few days before they found her body. And it was so sad. I remember crying when I read about it. It felt like it could have been me or something. And... I started thinking about what a weird place we live in. Is there really people out there that are so cruel that they can take a young girl and rape her and kill her? And it was just unbelievable. I guess that's where I lost my innocence or something. Yeah. This is a question asked by Lydia Fiedler in the Facebook group. Where does Sweden stack up in per capita murders against other countries? This is actually one I had to research before, so I have read the questions beforehand because um, I had to do some Googling here. I found some information from 2011 that says that Sweden has 1.2 homicides per 100,000 people. That same number for England is 1.4, so it's almost the same. But for the US, it was 6.2, and that's kind of scary. It's like five times as many. Yeah. I don't know if it's because of guns or something. I'm not going to go into that. But guns is not legal to own, really, in Sweden. I talked about that in a fun fact, I think. But we don't have as many guns on the streets. Or, well, I guess we do because they get in here illegally. But you never see a regular citizen carry a gun ever on the streets. Unless they're going hunting. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they're probably not walking the streets in the city center. <laughs> probably not. No. Um, so do your friends and family know you host a podcast? Do they suggest cases to cover? And this is asked by Danielle Smith in the Facebook group. Now, some of my close friends know that I host a podcast, but I haven't talked about it at all uh, to others, you know, at work or... I never say anything about it on my on my private social media. I keep it to myself. But my closest friends know about it. And I guess the reason for this is because uh, Swedish people have a really hard time with other Swedish people speaking English. It's like you have to speak perfect English or else shut up or something. Um, and my English isn't perfect. I do my best. I guess you guys understand what I'm saying. I make mistakes, 
um, I probably mix up some words. I remember in some of the early episodes, uh, I said the wrong thing with a bulletproof West instead of vest, because that's because we only have the one, the V sound instead of the W sound in Sweden. So I think everything in English should be with the W <laughs> and I mix it up and that's just the way it is. I'm not perfect. But anyway, that's something that I'm a little, not shy about, but ashamed about. I don't want to hear my Swedish friends listen to me speaking English. So, no judging. I, I don't think my friends will be judging, but maybe my, you know, people at work or someone that I don't know so well. Yeah, I guess if they don't, if they're not interested in true crime, they just, they would just listen and just hear the words and the accents. They're yeah. not really interested in the content. Yeah, in the cases. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But my family knows about it. All my family knows about it. And my my sister and my nieces and my mom and my daughters, they're all very supportive. And actually, my, my husband listens to it, too, even though I'm quite embarrassed, too. <laughs> he, I, I can't even record with him in the same room. I'm like, get out of the house, go to the gym, do whatever, don't be at home. I can't have a, anyone listen to me when I record. Because it feels just weird. So it's actually self-conscious. Yeah, really self-conscious. And it's really weird sitting here with you because now you hear me speaking English into a microphone and it's just weird. Yeah, it's well, the same for me. Okay, two weird people sitting here then. <laughs> well, let's continue. Yep. Um, so do you think of your interest in true crime as your dark side or just an unusual hobby? Asked by Tanya Jalala in the Facebook group. I guess none of the above. Um, I realize that people are more into true crime than they will admit to themselves even. Once you start talking about a case, everyone's really interested in all the details. Seriously, when do you think a news outlet get more clicks? Yes, it's on the gory stories about murder and crime. People are interested in hearing about it, but... Not everyone will admit it, I guess. Not everyone is as interested as you and I. I've, I've noticed. That's, <laughs> that, to friends. <laughs> that's true. But I actually got a friend of mine hooked at the Chris uh, Watts case uh, by talking about it over dinner this Saturday. Uh, she texted me the other day saying, You ruined my night's sleep. I, I can't stop watching YouTube videos about Chris Watts. She was so intrigued by that case it's just it's such an awful case that's an awful case and it's so much content on on youtube and every everywhere yeah i guess that maybe has sparked the interest in true crime lately like in the past 10 years with social media and youtube and everything that is more accessible yeah um, that might be true yeah before you could only read the newspapers and yeah and so much information that you got yeah. today you yeah. can actually see the person getting interrogated and you know you can look them up on facebook and see yeah. their past posts on social media and everything and it's quite interesting so yeah it's like you get to know them in a bit so well okay michelle colasa asks uh, are you like me in the fact that it's hard to read fiction books or watch fiction movies because of your interest in true crime and you know things like dna doesn't come back in a week or that you almost always leave some trace of something 
And when you read or watch fiction in your head, you're thinking, mm-mm, not real, can't happen, etc. Well, sometimes I do. Sometimes it's really weird, like, oh my god, that isn't even possible. But I think that the authors today do more research and get closer to the real truth. So the books get better and better. That's what I think. Yeah. I I think it would be worse being like a police officer, like an investigator, looking at... uh... I heard uh, police officers doesn't like to watch fiction crime series, like police series on TV, because it's just so... Too frustrating. Too far from the truth. (laughs) So uh, this is a question about uh, Sweden. How do you handle the constant sun and then the constant dark? Are you just used to it? Do you use blackout curtains or a light lamp? And this is by Jennifer Edmondson Swector in the Facebook group. Yes. Hi, Jennifer. I guess I'm used to it in some way, but still it sometimes gets really crazy during the winter when you never see the sun. It's dark when you leave in the morning and it's dark when you get home. And my kids are always afraid to walk to school in the morning and come home from school at like 3 p.m. and it's pitch black outside. Um, I don't have as much a problem with the summer period when it's really light out. I don't use any blackout curtains or anything because I just fall asleep even though the sun is shining. That's just me. I remember when the kids were younger, when they were like three years old or something, and you said, well, honey, it's time to go to bed, and it's like 7.30 or something, and the sun is still shining, and the kids are like, no, mom, it's not night yet. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's night time. <laughs> it's actually 30 minutes past your bedtime. Let's go to bed. It's like, no, it's still in the middle of the day, and you have that argument. So I had blackout curtains in the kids' room. Yeah. I, when they were small. Yeah. I, uh, I usually think that it could be worse. In the really northern part of Sweden, it's uh, much darker. Yeah. <laughs> that helps me. Yeah, that's true. It's really different. I In my day job, we have uh, video conferences every morning, and we have one guy sitting up uh, in really far up north. And you can see now, we have this meeting a little before nine every morning. And now in Stockholm, it's light out, but you can see behind him in his window that it's really darker. Yeah. It's much darker where yeah. he lives. Yeah. And it's kind of a lot of people get depressed in the Swedish winter. Yeah. Because you don't get, uh, you have to eat like D. Vitamin D, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's kind of depressing. But oh, one thing I would like to mention. Um, I listened to a Swedish podcast of uh, two women living in L.A., uh, and they talk a lot about differences between Sweden and the U.S., and they talked about candles. Mm -hmm. Because in Sweden, during the winter, and this is something I actually can long for in the summer, to have this, um, like in the the fall, when it gets darker at night, and we light all these candles everywhere. Yeah. I have small tea candles and larger ones and everywhere. I remember my dad, he used to say sometimes when he came to my house and he was like, oh my God, are you having a seance? <laughs> <laughs> because I love the candles and I have them everywhere. 
And that's like a cozy feeling, you know, to light the candles and it's like, yeah, it's cozy. And, and those Swedish girls in LA, they said that they didn't feel like American people did it as much in LA. It's like warm and you don't have to light candles for, for heat. (laughs) So it's quite a different, I, I don't know if, please let me know if I'm wrong. Maybe. Americans use candles everywhere, but I light candles every day during the winter in my house. Every day. Multiple candles. Yeah, even in the bathroom. (laughs) Okay, sorry, too too much information. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, So, uh, this is a question by uh, Natalie Bradley in the Facebook group. Uh, she's heard about the Allemansrätten in Sweden and uh, loves the idea. My question is, are people in Sweden as respectful of the forest and land they walk through and explore as reported, or do darker things happen that aren't reported? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't really know what you mean by darker things, but I'll get back to that. Um, I guess almost all the people are really respectful when spending time in the forest. But of course, we have a-holes who dump their crap, you know, on the side of the road or like a few yards into the woods. You see that everywhere and all the time. And that's really weird because you can drop it off for free at a recycling place anywhere. Usually, (laughs) me and my husband, were kind of... Trash police? We, no, not trash police, but we're like recycling everything. Or my, my husband is like, it's the best time of the week when he gets to go and recycle stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. He, Can he move into my house? No, but he's he's like crazy. He's like walking around, picking up things. Can I throw this one away? It's like, no! <laughs> I'm keep that. Yeah, he's, he's like crazy, but I love it. Well, anyways... um. It's really weird that people throw things away. And if we're like walking in the woods or something and we find like a glass bottle or something, mm. I totally pick it up and, and throw it away in the proper way. Mm. So, but I guess, uh, Natalie, you were asking about darker things. I'm not sure what you mean, but I do, but I do spend a lot of time in the woods. And I have been thinking about if what would happen if I stumble upon a dead body. Oh my god. Oh my god. I kinda want to, but it's a secret fantasy. No. <laughs> secret <laughs> fantasy. Yeah, maybe. I kinda want to, but at the same time I would be terrified and so scared and What would you do? Call the police. Yeah, of course. <laughs> no. Poke it? No, oh my god, no, no. No, I would totally call the police. But how close would you go? Probably too close. <laughs> or maybe it would smell. It would smell. I know it would smell. I don't know. It's just it's something I think about and it scares me at the same time it's kind of intriguing or exciting or I don't know. Okay, this is my dark side you're hearing now. Sorry. Well, you do host a true crime podcast, so you are forgiven. Yes, but I think I would be terrified and sad and start crying or something and call the police and scream. 
somebody's dead. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. I would totally freak out. So please, anyone, don't bury your dead bodies in the woods close to <laughs> Stockholm. Thank Where you. In advance. All right. Um, the next question is from uh, Sky Harvey in the group. Uh, do you have any weird or strange laws in Sweden? For example, in Australia, Western Australia, it's illegal to be in possession of more than 50 kilograms of potatoes. <laughs> oh my god, that is so weird. <laughs> Why potatoes? What could have happened? There's so many questions here. Or wait, could this have something to do with, like, back in the days they made booze out of potatoes? Ah, yeah, that might be it. If you have any more information on that, Sky, you have to let us know because that's really weird. Well, <clears throat> weird laws in Sweden. I googled and tried to find any weird laws, but I couldn't really find any. But I can mention one thing that is really weird, or was really weird. Uh, it was actually legal to have sex with animals up until just a few years ago. But now they changed that, and that's really great, I think, because yeah, it's disgusting. And weird. Weird. Weird and disgusting. Oh, I know one more thing. Uh, there's a Swedish law that makes it illegal to buy sex, but it's not illegal to sell sex. So they can actually arrest the buyer, but um, the person selling sex can never be arrested for selling sex. You actually pay taxes on selling sex in Sweden. They what? do. They have to declare their income and pay taxes. Really? Really. That's true. I have no idea. Well, that's the way it is. And I guess the reason for this law is to protect uh, the girls because it's almost always girls who sell sex. Well, I'm not sure that all the money they get are really paid taxes for, to be honest, but you can actually declare money and pay. In, yeah. Income tax for selling sex. Yeah, people have done that. Okay. I read about it. <laughs> and it's not fake news, I promise. All right. um, I guess the reason for this law is um, to protect the women working in the sex industry. Because if it's not illegal for them, they don't have to hide for the police. They can report if they get abused or something. So yeah. I think it's actually a good thing. Yeah. Okay, so moving on. What true crime pods are you following? And this is that by Sarah Miner in the Facebook group. Okay, how much time do we have? <laughs> no, um... I listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, both Swedish one and also a lot of English ones from all over the world, from England, the US, Australia, New Zealand. I actually listen to some from Finland, Norway, Denmark, and all over. But I don't want to really mention anyone because it feels like I will forget to mention some of them, and then somebody will get mad or disappointed that I didn't mention their podcast and so on. 
So I'm not going to mention any, but I I could make a list of all the podcasts that I listen to and um, put it in the Facebook discussion group. Yeah. How many podcasts are in your in your feed? Oh my god, <laughs> a lot. More than fifty. Oh yes, oh yes. I have to scroll like crazy, and it's so irritating because almost all the American podcasts uh, starts with a T, you know, uh-huh. the the the. Right. So I have to scroll forever and ever. Yes, I have a lot, a lot, a lot of podcasts in my feed that I su- subscribe to, but to mention one, and it's one of the podcasts that I listened to for the longest time. And that I never miss an episode of, and that's uh, Generation Y. I love those guys, Aaron and Justin. If you ever hear this, I love you guys. Okay. Do okay. we have more questions? Yes. This is uh, a couple of questions from Daniel Smith in uh, from the Facebook group. Uh, what case was the hardest to research because of the crime involved? Uh, what do you? do to try and get the horrible things you discover about a case out of your mind? And is there a case you've been researching where you've had to put down and just say no? Okay, good questions. Um, Let's start with the first one. The hardest case to research must have been Tova Mubai. Again, I keep coming back to that case because it was really hard and I had to walk away several times just to do something else and just try to get it out of my mind. And also all cases involving children like uh, Engla, that case, and Yara, Mm. episode 15. That was awful. And what I do to get things out of my head is, I guess if if it's summertime, I usually go for a walk or... I love to spend time in the woods, in the forest, picking chanterelles and blueberries and stuff and just walking around, you know, feeling, oh, it's it's such a feeling of calm and relaxing and I don't know. Wishing it, you'd stumble upon a body. Oh, okay. <laughs> now we're back to that, that piece again. No, 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 no. Just... I don't know. It's like therapy for me to walk in the woods. And I'm not scared when I walk in the woods at all, even though I'm all alone. I can walk in the woods forever alone, but only during the day, of course, when it's light outside and the sun is shining and everything's happy clappy. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But that's what I do in the summer. In, In the wintertime, I can just, I don't know, I have some Swedish fun podcast that I go to. You know, I can just plug in my AirPods and listen to something funny, amusing, people laughing and, you know, joking around just to get your mind on something else. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, And the third question was uh, if there was a case that I've been researching where I had to put it down and just say no and, and don't do a podcast out of it. And I haven't stumbled on upon any case like that yet but I know you did Johanna when you were researching because you called me and talked about this case where it was like a family tragedy yeah with a sick teenager or 
yeah, mentally was, ill. It yeah. was uh, actually a big case in the in the media, and uh, I was a bit intrigued by it, so I started researching it. And the more details I found out, I just couldn't see what interest it would be to anyone. It was just tragedy from start to end, like nothing, nothing but tragedy. And I just didn't want to to share that story with um, anyone, so I just put it down. And... I remember you telling me about it and I was like, okay, if that's your opinion, that's probably my opinion too. So we just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes when mental illness is involved and it's young people and it's just tragic. It's yeah. Yeah. The, it's just maybe drama. something that shouldn't be out there. I don't know. All right, uh, next question. What does your family say about your true crime interest, and what did they say about your success? And this is by Jennifer Edmondson-Swither from the Facebook group. Uh, they are interested and uh, suggest cases and give me feedback and so on. Uh, mostly my nieces do, and my youngest daughter. I, I don't know about my success, but my mom keeps a close eye on my numbers even though she still calls my listeners my followers. I love you, Mom. I'm sorry to <laughs> put cute. that out there. Yeah, it's really cute. But she keeps asking me, oh, do you have any more followers on your podcast? <laughs> I'm like, listeners, Mom. They're listeners. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, it's reaching more and more people, and it's really fun. But it's really weird that so many people are listening to the podcast all over the world. It's over over a hundred different countries where the podcast has been downloaded. Yeah. And that's like mind boggling. I I can't really wrap my head around that. It's, yeah, that's amazing. It's weird. And I can't stand my own voice, but obviously other people can, so that's a good thing. <laughs> Keep feeling it. Um okay. So Jennifer also had a question. Uh, what is your favorite vacation destination in Sweden and why? And what would be your perfect meal? Okay, vacation destination in Sweden must, of course, be my hometown and the capital of Sweden, Stockholm. I love Stockholm. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful city. and Especially during the summer. If you go here in the winter, maybe not so funny. <laughs> Dark. <laughs> Dark and uh, sad and snow and yeah, yucky. But in the summer, it's just beautiful. It's uh, so much water everywhere. It's old uh, buildings. And you can just go down to to the harbor that's like really close in the city center and just jump on a boat for not so much money. It's kind of cheap. You can buy like a, a one day pass or a three day pass and go on different boats and just go out to one of the islands outside. There's like thousands of islands. Yeah, the Stockholm Archipelago is uh, really beautiful. It's amazing. I love it. And a perfect meal for me would be anything with shrimps. I love shrimps. I'm mm. like Forrest Gump or something. 
<laughs> you remember that scene? <laughs> and they shrimp like, you, in business. Yeah, you can make shrimp cocktail. <laughs> I don't know. No, I love shrimps. I love uh, seafood. I love seafood. Oh. Yeah. Michelle Hayes in the Facebook group asks, I'm curious how everyone gets around town. Does everyone have cars or is there public transportation, trains and buses? Just curious because we have way too many cars here in the U.S. And unless you live in a really small town, traffic is unbearable. We have a lot of cars too, but there is also really good public tra- transportation. Um, I myself live a little bit outside of the Stockholm city center and I work in the middle of the city. Um, and I actually use public transportation every day to get to and from work. It's um, really, 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 really expensive to park in the city. And uh, you also have to pay to drive in and out of the city. So working here in the middle of the city and driving would be like zero for me. You know, I would... My full (laughs) yeah, my paycheck would be for transportation and paying parking tickets and stuff. So yeah, no, um, I I go by bus, and it's kind of nice because I just use that time to listen to a podcast, catch up on social media or something, and it's kind of nice too. I leave work, I just go uh, sit down on a bus. And I just have like half an hour to myself where nobody can reach me or, yeah, they can reach me. I have an iPhone. But anyway, it's just me time. And before when I was working a little bit outside the city where we had like our own parking at that company and I was driving every day. I was so stressed out because then you have to be in traffic and you're like irritated on other cars. Yeah. Road rage. Yeah, not really. Really <laughs> road rage. Can you imagine Pernilla being <laughs> yeah. enraged? No, not really. Not really to that extent, but still. You know, when in a bus, you can just relax and do whatever. Yeah. So it's kind of a nice thing. Yeah. yeah. You get used to it, at least. You do. Pauline Koppel in the Facebook group asks, What advice do you give your daughter about safety? Pauline, actually, it's daughters. I have two of them. Um, they're 14 and 17. And we do talk a lot about safety, especially safety online, because they spend almost all their awake time online, either on the phone or on the computer or wherever. Yeah. So we talk a lot about that. You know, if you get contacted by someone, even if they claim like, Oh, hello, this is your best friend, Jennifer. Um, my Snapchat account got hacked, so this is my new account. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. Come meet me here and there. You have no idea that that is really your best friend. They can actually steal her pictures yeah. somewhere on the internet and just uh, create a new account and pretend to be her and plan to meet up. So... I always tell them that if something like that happens, they always have to call and talk to their friend, you know, to Mm. make sure that, okay, this is their new account and it's really them. And um, this is online. It's always scary. 
it's always scary because they're innocent and they trust people and and so on. And when it comes to the real world, you know, traveling, they go by bus to and from school. And in Sweden, we don't have like school buses. They go with public transportation. And um, something I always tell them is that if somebody tries to abduct you, just scream like crazy. Even though someone says to you, like, keep quiet or I kill you. Don't keep quiet. Just scream and fight. Because once you get into that car, it's over. Mm. It's so much harder to survive. Yeah. So Anything can happen. Yeah. And I also picked up a piece of advice from my favorite murder. And that's fuck politeness. Apologize later. Yeah. I think that's good advice. Just don't don't be so nice all the time and help people. Yeah. Just but a grown up usually doesn't need help from from a kid or a young person. Yeah. But they're also really sweet and they help people because my my seventeen year old, it was like a year ago or something, he she came home. And she told me that there was this old lady that fell when she stepped out of the train. And my daughter stayed and she called 112, which is a Swedish 911 number. And she stayed there until the paramedics came and talked to the old woman because she hurt her leg or something. Yeah. And I was so touched by that because I kind of guess I raised her well. That she Definitely. Yeah. So I was... Such a proud moment. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm going to cry. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So, uh, Jessica Owen asked you, how old are you? Um, are you from a big family? And if so, is that a common thing in Sweden? How many children do you have? Okay, Jessica, that's uh, a lot of private questions. <laughs> and you know you never ask a woman of her, <laughs> her age. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm between 40 and 50, I can say that. I have teenage daughters, but I'm not 50 yet. I have a few years until I am 50. But I'm not going to go into specific <laughs> numbers. I don't know why, but <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And yes, I guess I come from a big family. I have one older sister. She's three years older than me. And then I have, her name is Camilla, by the way. Hi, Hi Camilla. Hi, Camilla. Yeah, and uh, I can just say that this is, might be weird for you English speakers, but uh, Panilla and Camilla, both our names end with Illa. And then Illa means bad in Swedish. Mm. So my grandfather always asked my mom, what, what bad did the girls do to get those names? But anyway, um, I also have two younger brothers that are really... A lot younger than me. Um, I have uh, Christopher, or Christopher, as you would say in, in the US. Um, he is 17 years younger than me. Oh. And then I have another little brother, and he's only 13 months younger than uh, Christopher. And his name is Sebastian, or Sebastian. Hmm. So they are a lot, 17 and 18 years younger than me. So you have uh, three siblings? Yeah, three siblings. Uh, would you say that that's uh, common in Sweden? Like a family of four kids? No, not really. I think uh, two kids 
are like the norm or something. And a lot of families nowadays have three kids. But four, it's more like too many. I don't know. But my mom, with my brothers, we don't have the same father. We have the same mother, all mm. four of us, but not the same father. But we are a big family. My sister has three daughters. I have two daughters. And um, my brother, the oldest one, Christopher, he has uh, a daughter and a son. Mm. And Sebastian, we're waiting. We're waiting. Why aren't you producing any babies? Any, I'm just any daughters? <laughs> no, no more daughters. <laughs> we need we need guys in this family, I guess. But that's that's us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is another question by Jennifer. Uh, I adore all of the Skarsgårds. What does the average Swede feel about them? Love them? Annoyed by them? Or no opinion? What about you? What do you think about the Skarsgårds? Yeah, what I think about the Skarsgårds. I, I think I'm kind of proud of them. Because they're like making it big in Hollywood, I guess. So... I think all Swedes doing something that's recognized in the world makes me proud. Yeah. So I guess I'm proud. And I think most Swedes are proud of them. Did you watch True Blood? No, I didn't because I hate vampires. I'm so scared of vampires. (laughs) I'm serious. Both my girls watched it. And I'm like, I can't even walk into the living room if it's on the TV because I don't know. You don't like vampires? No, I'm so scared of vampires. I actually put like my blanket or my my cover all the way up on my neck when I go to sleep. I can't sleep with my neck exposed. exposed. No, because it freaks me out because I might be bitten by a vampire. No, something messed with my head when when I was when I was younger. I watched something. Yeah. Oh, I'm totally Interview scared. Interview with a vampire. That was the first vampire movie I remember. No, I think I w- watched like some Dracula uh-huh. old time. I don't know. It was so scary. I, All right. I, I, I can't stand it. I, I get chills. I'm sorry. Can we change the subject, please? <laughs> <Moving> <laughs> yeah. uh, is there any case you're interested in but wouldn't cover? Uh, what would stop you from covering it? Um, is it easy to get information about cases in Sweden for research purposes and what kind of obstacles or difficulties could you encounter? And this is asked by Gary J. Dugdale. Yes, thank you, Gary. That's good questions. Hmm. I don't know if there's a case that I'm interested in that I wouldn't cover. I, I can't think of one. But what would stop me from covering it? Maybe if... Um, if the family went out in the media and said that they didn't want people to talk about it or, you know, I'd, I hate to be disrespectful to family members of a victim. So that might be one reason that I might not cover something. But still, I would never go into gory details or give out too much information. But I don't know. I haven't really come up with maybe like we talked about before a case that's just tragic yeah that's just there's no sense to it it's not like 
grown-ups uh, doing something, someone, a case where someone is saying, oh, actually, I now I'm just rambling on, and, and then I just came to think of a case that actually happened um, in the small place that I live outside Stockholm. It was a young girl. She was uh, 19, and she was murdered when she was out running and there's like this um, area where they have really good running tracks where a lot of people go to exercise mm. and um, she took her car there and she asked her mom if she wanted to come along but her mom had some other plans so she was like okay I go by myself see you guys in an hour she was still living at home uh, but she never came home and they started looking for her, and she um, she was found dead later that night in that forest under her. She had been violated in a really, really bad way. I'm not going to go into details because I kind of regret that I ever read them. And her parents have never talked about her case in the media. They don't want to be contacted. I remember we had this local Facebook group that um, started to raise money mm. for her, for her parents, because of this tragedy. And her parents, they took the money finally, but they gave them to like a good cause mm. and said, thank you for doing this. Please don't do it again. We... Respect our privacy. Yeah, respect our privacy. So her case, uh, I wouldn't do a podcast about it because her parents would be devastated, I think. Mm. It's just a really sad case. It was a, a young man that was really, really mentally ill. Mm. And he's in a mental hospital and will probably be there. If not for life, but for for a really long time it's it's, it's really sad that's a case i w wouldn't cover oh sorry it's it's hard because it hits so close to home it was really i remember my girls wanted to go out running and exercising last summer mm. and i was like you don't go anywhere until this guy's caught because it took like i don't know uh, I think it was, it was a like, couple of weeks or so, like three or four weeks. Yeah, three or four weeks or something before they they caught him. And it was really close to where I live. That was scary. But there were some more questions. You asked if it was easy to get information about cases in Sweden for research purposes. And both yes and no. Um, it depends a little bit because if... A case has been tried in court and there is a ruling. You can get like the case file uh, if you only call the authorities. You might have to pay like a small amount for the printing, you know, to get the papers. But today, a lot of people, they get the file and then they upload it. So you can almost always find it online. Unless there is a case that involves a child or something, then you might not be able to get it at all. I think you can still get it, but the details are blacked, blacked out. out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. 
but I think some cases are totally closed. I don't know. We have this um, offentlighetsprincip, which is like everything should be accessible to the public. So, so I guess you can you can get a hold of a lot of information as long as you have like a name, a case number, or something for them to to search. So it's it's kind of accessible. Video recordings are not allowed in court, but audio is available. Yeah, that's true. That's different from yeah. from the U.S. That is true. You're not allowed to take pictures in the courtroom. In a Swedish courtroom, no, that's true. And it's really seldom that you see like um, tapes from from interrogations and stuff. No, I don't. Yeah, I think those are. I've seen short clips from um, the man that was convicted of killing Panilla and Engla. I've seen short clips. Yeah. I guess that's like if the police choose to disclose to yeah. the public. Yeah, but usually they don't. No. It's not like in the US. Like 911 calls. Like I don't think I've ever heard of a 112 call. A Swedish one, no. Yeah. They're... No, they're not accessible to the public at all. Like transcripts are available sometimes, but yeah, transcripts. Are, are yeah. Well, that's true. That's a difference. Never thought about that. Mm. Do we have any questions left? Yes, we actually have a couple more questions. Uh, will you ever do a podcast with another podcaster having a shared hosting episode? Mm, well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I never got the question, and I never asked anyone. I guess as a Swedish person doing a English podcast, I do a lot of things over and I have a lot of editing to do after I record because I mispronounce something or, you know, get stuck on a word or something. Yeah. So I guess it would be kind of hard to record with someone else. But the native speaker. Yeah. What? Because with you, you we just take a break and then we do it over again and well I don't know if I ever would do that but I will I would really like to do something with another podcast like maybe give a podcast to be honest one of my dreams would be to research and write a case that uh, Aaron and Justin would do in Generation Y yeah that would make me so proud. Okay, um, this is from Janet Hautbaum. Um, are crime penalties all very light in Sweden? Are there crimes that have a life sentence? And is there solitary confinement? Mm, great questions. I guess crime penalties are lighter in Sweden if you compare it to like the US, but we definitely have life sentences. The difference here is that we don't have life sentence with no possibility of parole, as you often hear in American cases. And you can't get more than one life sentence, even though you kill multiple people. Hmm. You can't have like five life sentences. Um, and as you know, if you listen to the podcast, you know that the Swedish legal system, you get out after two thirds of your sentence. Yeah, it focuses on rehabilitation. Yeah. 
as opposed to punishment. Yeah, that's true. But when you get a life sentence in Sweden, I'm not sure, I haven't researched this, but there is a certain amount of years before you get your life sentence set to a special amount of years. Yeah, so maybe after serving 12 years. You may have uh, yeah, your yeah. case tied and you get... Uh, and you an get like, number. okay, yeah. 25 years and then you're out. I think the average time someone spends in, uh, in prison with a life sentence is 16. Is and it? that's like two-thirds of the life sentence. Okay, that might be true. Yeah, but life life sentence in Sweden isn't life. No. I think the longest per the person who has spent the longest time in prison today has spent like forty or forty two years in prison. Mm. And it's a guy. They just don't wanna let him out. I might have to research what he actually did because it might be an interesting episode. Yeah. Uh I know that the Norway they don't have the life sentence. They don't? No. No, that's when the... true. That uh, Anders Bering yeah. Breivik yeah. that killed all those young people. Yeah. Yeah. He got like 20 years, did he? Mm, I don't. Okay. Welcome to Speculation Corner. <laughs> I'm sorry. What What we do have is, uh, like, if you are a young perpetrator, if you kill someone and you're 19 years old, for example, you cannot be sentenced to life. So you yeah, have, like, a, an age... Um, because that's actually something that really upsets me sometimes when I hear American cases. They have a juvenile court, but still a lot of kids get tried as adults. Yeah. What's up with that? There's a reason why there is a juvenile court, because kids are not developed in their brains yeah. in the same way. They can't reason, they can't see the full consequences of what they do, and so on. And that really upsets me. I know that someone who commits a horrible crime should get punished, but if it's a 13-year-old kid, I don't think they are bad to the bone. I think there are a lot of circumstances that made them end up in that place and do that horrible thing. Yeah. And yes, they need therapy and rehabilitation and they might need to be locked up somewhere, but not in adult prison. Mm. That's not okay in my mind. So solitary confinement. Yes, we do have that. And I don't know if I mentioned, but I actually worked in a prison one summer Um it was only a few years back because I guess I had some kind of a midlife crisis or something and I didn't know what to do with my life and what kind of work I wanted to do and so on. So I tried to work in a prison and it was... As a prison guard or... Yeah. What did you do? But we're actually not called guards. There's nothing guarding about the work that you do in a prison. The term in Swedish is kriminalvårdare. And if you translate that straight off, it's like criminal caretaker. So we're actually there to give them care and take care of them. Rehabilitation. 
rehabilitation. Oh yes. So I worked um, with the prisoners or the inmates, um, waking them up in the morning, unlocking the doors to the cells. Um, they each have their own room with a bed and a little table and like a sink where they can wash off and stuff. stuff. Um, and I did everything. I had um, like a little radio. We had to call into the main control room to get doors open. So it wouldn't matter if they like took us hostage. Mm-hmm. Like you weren't carrying like a whole lot of keys that they can steal from you. I had keys, but they could never get out because it's so many doors. Oh. And some of the doors I cannot open myself, even though I work there. Oh. Then it has to be opened from like a central place in the person. Oh. And it's like cameras. And usually they just see that, okay, here's a person working here and she's walking up to this door and they just open it. But if I have an inmate with me, I have to stop and tell them why I'm I'm going out that door and where mm. I'm going. Like if they were going to, like to the doctor or the nurse or psychiatrist. We had psychiatrists and they also had school and mm, some education and stuff. So, so it was like what kind of clothes did they wear? Oh, they all wear the same clothes, like um, gray jumpsuit. Stuff, cozy clothes, <laughs> like t-shirts and. And did you wear your regular clothes, or did you have? No, I had like a dark blue uniform. And so, did you ever put someone in solitary confinement? I didn't put anyone in solitary confinement because I'm I'm a good person. No, I'm just kidding. No, but actually, we had we had to remove one guy because not because he was acting out in some way. Uh, but he was beat up really bad. One day he he came and he had a really blue eye, you know. Mm. It was obvious that somebody beat him up and we asked him what happened and he's like, oh, nothing, I just walked into a door, you know. Mm. And we tried to ask him, you know, are you threatened, what's happening, and so on. He wouldn't say anything because... Snitches get snitches, and <laughs> you know you keep quiet in prison. And then we um, noticed that when it was time for lunch, he didn't come out. So we went into his room, and you know what's going on? Aren't you gonna eat? And he's like, No, I'm not hungry. And we're like, Come on, there's something. And then we realized that they were out to get him, and he wouldn't leave his cell because he was scared Mm. so we had to remove him so we put him in solitary yeah for protection and then he got moved to another prison Mm. because sometimes something happens and someone gets pissed off and but you never found out what no and we think it was because because they have like different duties in the wards like Somebody's responsible for the kitchen. Somebody's responsible for taking out the trash. Somebody's responsible for cleaning up in the common area or something. Mm -hmm. And this guy that was beaten up, he was responsible for taking out the trash 
uh, along with another guy. And nobody took out the trash and they started to smell. This was in the summer. And um, we kind of complained and said that if you don't do this job, you can't have it. And they got extra money for oh, doing for that job. So it was, it was really everyone wanted to have, you know, the extra uh, jobs. So it was uh, kind of a, a good thing for them. And we said that uh, if you're not taking care of this job, you're going to lose it. And then this guy got beat up. So we think that the other guy oh. had said that, you know, I get paid, you do the work or something. I don't know oh. if that's what we think it was, but you never know. It might be something else, hmm. but it's kind of scary. And just, we started working at seven. We were supposed to open the cell doors at seven o'clock in the morning and just go going from the parking lot to the ward that I worked yeah. took like 20 minutes. Oh my God. Yeah, because through all the gates and all the like, unlocking things. Yeah. Every day I came to work, I had to leave my cell phone, my keys, my everything outside. I couldn't bring anything. I could bring food in, but not liquid. Mm-hmm. And I like had an airplane. Yeah, like airplanes, like flying in there. No, but actually, I you go. It's like going through security at the airport. Mm. I had to leave my bag if I had like extra clothes or or something. I had to leave my bag, so it went through like a scanner, mm-hmm. uh, and then I had to go get my alarm. We have each uh, like, mm, a, like a, a body alarm that you can just push if something happens. And you have this uh, radio, and you have to get uh, some keys to different places. And then just walking from the entrance of the prison to the ward I was walking, working mm. in, it took like 10 minutes. Hmm. Because you had to go down and under and wait until somebody else opened the door for you. Mm, <laughs> so it took forever. But it's, a, it's an experience that I wouldn't want to be without. Yes. I wouldn't want to work there. No? No, it was really... The worst thing, I think, was locking people up at 7 o'clock. They're allowed to be outside the cells between 7 and 7. And we lock the cell doors at 7. And just seeing them. It's so sad. It's such a small, tiny compartment. I would totally panic if I would be locked in there. And... It's all sad. Did you ever talk to any of them about what they did? Like why they were in there? No, not really. It It's kind of a... How should I explain this? It's, nobody talks to the caretakers or the guards or mm. whatever. you want. They don't talk to us. Not one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Because then everyone else will think... That they are telling on right. them or something. But every time you were alone with someone, because I could take one guy and walk, like if he had an appointment at the doctor's or the nurse or the psychiatrist or something, I would walk alone with one guy. Hmm. And then they start talking. It was like a waterfall. And they were like, <laughs> I remember this young guy, he was doing his second time in prison. And he was really sad, and he's like, oh, my life is screwed. I'm never going to uh, 
get better. I'm only going to end up in here again. You know, I had a really tough childhood. My parents were abusing drugs and stuff, and he was beaten, and he was picked on in school, and it was really a sad story. But I remember saying to him that, okay, you can have that thought about your rest, the rest of your life, if if that's what you want to think, but you can turn yourself around and say, is this who I want to be? The only person who can make a change is you. Hmm. You decide where you want to be. You decide what you want to do. And he's like, yeah, but still I only have all my friends are criminals and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, yeah, maybe you should just move to a totally different part of Sweden and just start over. Hmm. Get new friends. Get your life sorted out. And he was like, can I do that? (laughs) No, it's like nobody ever talked to him. I, I don't know, it's just, it's just weird. But still, there were a few guys that I would, I would get so freaked out if I ever saw them outside. They're scary. Yeah, we have this one guy, he was, he was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You know, he could come up to you and be like, hi, how are you? And, you know, try to be really nice and da da da. And then, Five minutes later, he could just give you a stare full of hate and just, you know, that made, gave you chills. He was just really, really scary. But I don't know what he was in for. I never asked. (laughs) (laughs) So that was a long talk about prison, but it's, it's an interesting job and I admire the people who go there every day and do that because Someone has to be there. There's amazing people working in Swedish prisons. Mm. I I met some amazing people that I still are in contact with. So. Mm. All right. We have three more questions. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is from Instagram. Uh, Kevin Cox. And it's a classic question. Uh, is it true that Swedish people have more blonde hair? Yes, Kevin. Kevin, sorry, I screwed up your name. Yes, Kevin. Everyone in Sweden are blonde and they have blue eyes and they have big boobs and they're in the Swedish bikini team. No, I'm just kidding. No, of course not. Some people have blonde hair and blue eyes. And I think that's the picture that a lot of people outside Sweden have of Sweden. But today we are a multicultural society. We have people from all over the world moving here, some people fleeing from war and other things, and they become Swedish citizens. And there's much Swedes as whoever, as I am, as you are, Johanna. Yeah. Yeah. And none of us are really blonde. <laughs> we have blue eyes, both of us, but... <laughs> Dark brown hair. Yeah. yeah. No. What being a Swede is not about your hair color, your skin color, or anything else. It's just if you're Swedish, you're Swedish. You yeah. live here. You speak Swedish. Hopefully. So yeah, eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your normal day job? And this is Anne Marie Arendal on Instagram. 
I'm not going to bore you with any details, but I work in IT with uh, some development and systems and stuff. So I work in an office, nine to five, really boring. No, <laughs> no, I like my job, but it, it's not so interesting to talk about, I guess. Yeah, okay. So this is uh, the last question from uh, Nancy on Instagram. Where in Sweden is best for tourism? Best for tourism. I kind of think I touched on that uh, in another question there. I recommend I recommend everyone um, who wants to visit Sweden to come to Stockholm. In the summer. In the summer. In the summer. But if you come in the winter, you should go up north and maybe visit the Ice Hotel because that's something I would like to see someday. Yeah. I'm not sure I would sleep in an ice bed, but <laughs> that's another question. But Sweden is beautiful, and there's a lot to, to do, and there's a lot of forests, a lot, a lot of forests. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but we also have a lot of coast and waters and just beautiful places. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, that wraps it up, all the questions. That was a lot of questions. I hope I didn't bore anyone with all my answers, but it was really fun answering all those questions. There was a lot of interesting questions, so thank you everyone for contributing and writing questions for me. Uh, maybe we'll do this some other time in the future, so yeah, we'll see. Yeah. But thank you for listening, and I guess I see you next time. Goodbye. Hey, hey dude. Dude.